Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Davros. Today we'll be visiting with Brad Carroll, director of Murder for Two in the new Eileen and Alan Ains Studio Theater at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Brad is a professor, composer, and director. Brad and fellow festival veteran Peter Sham wrote and composed the musical adaptation of Lend Me a Tenor, which premiered at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. His teaching credits include the Pacific Conservatory Theater as a resident artist and artistic associate, Southern Utah University, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and Roosevelt University. Brad has directed productions at PCPA, the Idaho Shakespeare Festival, the Great Lakes Theater Festival, Shakespeare Festival of St. Louis, Utah Festival Opera, Anchorage Opera, the Phoenix Theater, University of California, Santa Barbara, and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. In addition to these credits, he also served as a creative consultant and director for Walt Disney International in Tokyo. Previously at the festival, Brad has directed South Pacific, Comedy of Airs, Anything Goes, Les Miserables, Johnny Guitar, Spitfire Grill, HMS Pinafore, Camelot, 1776, and Man of La Mancha. Brad, thank you so much for joining us on the Play On Podcast. My pleasure. It's so exciting to have you back here on the podcast and at the Shakespeare Festival. Uh, as you're, as we record this, you're in the middle of tech for Murder for Two. We are. One of the inaugural shows for the Ains Theater. Uh, so let's jump in right there, actually. Okay. Um, we were just talking before we started recording that, that we'll tell the story that you said in terms of the size of the play and how great it's been, or, or your, well, your thoughts. I, I was just saying to Josh before we started that it's it, it, right in the middle of tech the other day, we, there was a pause, and I suddenly realized how quiet and calm everything was. And <laughs> This, I think, is the first time I've ever done a two-person play. So whenever we stop, it's quiet, and there aren't 35 people with tap shoes on working <laughs> out their routines. And it's just been such a calm, fun, easy uh, process that I think I only want to do small plays with two people in, <laughs> in small spaces in small from spaces. now on. <laughs> that sounds glorious. Yeah. Uh, well, So as far, as far as Murder for Two... In the Ains Theater, it's uh, talk a little bit about taking a, a a small a small show like this and opening essentially opening a theater with it. I mean, Julius Caesar's in there too, but you're essentially you have first tracks in many ways on this. Yeah, theater. well, it's really interesting. For, and first, I I just want to say what an honor it is to be inaugurating in the <laughs> Eileen and Alan Ains Theater because they've been really good friends of mine for quite a long time. And so it's I can't wait to see them. Um, but yeah, to, to work out the, the kinks in a new space, uh, I was a little nervous going into it sure. because, you know, because you just don't ever know what's, what you're going to end up with, just how many lights they're going to hang and how the sound system is going to work and where the light switches are and things like that. But it's been such an easy transition. I mean, it's, been, it's been really great and we're doing it in the, what they call tennis court orientation and for the audiences that's audience on both sides so it, it, in, a, in a way it is like watching a tennis match sometimes because it's 50 feet from one wall to the other so it's 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 actually kind of a big space for this play for, for and especially for just two people yeah for for murder for two so we've yeah and it's actually been it, i was worried about that going into it too but it's again it's miraculously it's it's fit and I've sat in every seat in the house during tech and I, everybody gets to see the whole play. Awesome. Yeah. So awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to getting people in there yeah. now and seeing how they respond. Well, we're excited too. So, um, the, I, I remember you, you read a lot of scripts, I imagine. I do. <laughs> he said understatementingly. <laughs> uh, and various scripts catch you in different ways. I know I've read some that catch me right away, some that I have to slog for the first act. And what struck me as I read Murder for Two getting ready for this season is 
as you know, 25 pages in, I was look, listening to myself laughing, and I thought, yeah. I don't laugh re out loud reading a lot of scripts. And I was excited at the prospect of this very funny, very clever show coming to Utah Shakes. Tell us about the first time you sort of dove in and or your first your first impressions of the play. Well, I actually saw it in New York a few years ago. Uh, I was in New York and a friend of mine called me and said, go see <laughs> Murder for Two if you don't do anything else. So I thought, okay, well, it was Jeremy. Sure. Uh, Jeremy Mann. And, uh, and this would have been a perfect show for him and me <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> and it was just such a romp. I mean, the two guys who were doing it there, a very different setting than we're using. Um, but then even knowing it, the first time I read it, I was laughing out loud. And I thought, oh my gosh. And the other interesting thing about the piece is the early readings of it, I kept forgetting that it was just two guys. Oh, yeah. As I started oh, totally. imagining how totally. I might block this play, I was seeing 12 characters yeah, out there. Yeah, absolutely. And then I have, to kept, I have to keep going, I don't have to worry about him because <laughs> right now he's invisible, you know? So that was sort of a, a transition as well to realize you got two people out there to fill the space. The, we've done a couple of different shows at the festival. Uh, the sort of this tradition of many... Uh, of one or two actors playing many roles, mm -hmm. we, whether we think of it as um, uh, Stones in His Pockets or Greater Tuna right. or uh, 39 Steps. This, to me, is joining a fairly illustrious and exciting canon. What's it like in the rehearsal room when, you're, when you have one actor playing essentially one role and one actor playing many more than right. one? What is that, what, how does that work in terms of... Uh, rehearsal process. I've just got the script there, but what, what yeah, kind of things well, do you talk I about mean, and work through? One, one of the advantages we had is that John, who's playing the suspects, has done it before. And um, it, it's one of those new scripts where not everything is spelled out for you. Mm -hmm. And I told John just flat out when we got here, I said, some of this, I don't know, I don't understand what they intended. So when we get there, I'm just going to ask you, what what did you guys do? What, mm -hmm. what, you know, what did Joe and Kellen want this to be? Um, and he was so helpful, you know, just his experience and some of the stuff that we're doing is, is basically what he did on the tour. Uh, some stuff is completely new to him, which we, he was completely open to, which not all actors no, would have been. No, especially with the complicated nature of those roles. Yeah. But for us, I mean, the, the most complex thing was not who is this person and, you know, and, and who are they now and how do we get there was how to keep it shared. Sure in this tennis court setting. Okay. So John, for a while in rehearsal, was just spinning in circles <laughs> to try to keep, so he'd be facing this direction as this character and this direction as this character. And then there were places where we went back and said, I don't think we need the spin there, but if you can create that with the same idea, the same dynamic, so that the audience really sees when the shift happens. And for, you know, and for him, I mean, he's brilliant at it. I mean, it's, it's all... There are no costume changes. I no. mean, he's got a pair yeah. of glasses, he's got a baseball cap, and mostly it's just posture and voice work, vocal work. Well, I caught a little bit of tech yesterday, <clears throat> and it was amazing just even then in that sort of not, not quite at pace setting just to see the intensity with which he was providing yeah, it's, character changes and having to you know, move and it's back and forth. breakneck speed. I mean, there's that one song where he's, have, he's a husband and wife having an argument, and he's <laughs> playing them both. <laughs> Yeah. And then it becomes a duet, and he's singing both. You know, I mean, it's 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 really a tour de force. Yeah. Well, and then so we've talked about this from an acting perspective and from a character perspective now, and then to add the fact that these two actors are also their own piano accompaniment yeah. 
is unreal yeah, in terms of the workload required. It's crazy. Um, and you and they have, you know, it. the piano part is not easy. I mean, they really both have to be accomplished pianists as well as actors. And so it's it's not an easy show to cast. <laughs> not an easy show to cast. I imagine not an easy show to direct slash music direct. Are you yeah. sort of providing the... Both, both? yeah. So from a character, from a characterization standpoint, as a music director, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're doing both because it would be I, I imagine it would be difficult to try to share this work in the nature by the nature of the show because so much character is found in the music and yeah. and in the character at the same time. Um, what what do you talk? How do you talk through musically what they're doing when they're either when they're both at the piano or one of them is? What kind of conversations do you have about the role that the music plays in in the show? Well, oh, that's yeah, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of it. Because um, sometimes they're at the piano, accompanying themselves singing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're at the piano accompanying the other person, but it's a dialogue. And then other times, one guy is at the piano simply accompanying the other guy. But I mean, basically, one of the, one of the big conversations we has had was when you're just the accompanist, you can't disappear. Yeah. You still have to be engaged in what's happening, whether it's paying attention to what they're saying or going through in your mind what your character is going through during this basically break sure. for you. So you you don't ever get to disappear in this play. You don't step back and become just the accompanist. You're no. never just a musician. You're no. always You're either in... engaged or you're processing your own character stuff while you're playing for the other person. It's, yeah, it's tricky. It's, it's finding the balance. Well, it's so much fun for an audience to see uh, all of that work and know how much nuance and energy has gone into creating it. Is, is it, is it fun? to do this kind of detail work as an actor, as a director, as a music director? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the fun. <laughs> that really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, staging the play was sort of just rudimentary. Let's just figure out how to get it into the space. And then when we, when we went back to start working through, that's where we were stopping and going and stopping and going and just really trying to figure out moment to moment what the builds are. Because uh, again, with they never leave the stage. Never, ever. They're responsible for every crest, every valley, every hill, <laughs> emotionally, comically. And we finally, uh, and I, I don't think anybody will even notice, we finally decided we had to plant water for them on stage. Yeah. Because they never they shut they up. They don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they're out there for 90 minutes. And it's, you know, it's probably for these guys bigger roles sure. than some of the Shakespeare leads. Totally. Because they're out there talking. You have every other line. And in John's case, sometimes you have every line for a while. <laughs> for a while. You know what you, I mean? As you have every other character. Yeah. So it's, we, we planted water for them just to be able to wet their whistle, you know, yeah. and, and keep going. That's awesome. Yeah. So... I, the, the Shakespeare transition is good because you've directed all kinds of musicals, not just here, everywhere. Uh -huh. Big, huge tap, <laughs> tap numbers, and <laughs> as you mentioned stuff. earlier, lots and lots of people, lots and lots of things. Um, and this is a smaller one in a smaller space. But usually I think when people think of the American musical, we think big, grand, spectacle. Yeah. And yet here you are directing an American musical in a small 200-seat theater with two people. Is it is this more common now? Is this idea of the small musical sort of working against what we think of in terms of the culture? You know, when well, you think of Broadway and you think of all these big things, 
Where do these small little musicals fit into that? Well, world? they're becoming a huge part of the of the canon now, be, mainly because, and I hate it. I hate the fact that it always comes down to money because they're easier to produce. Sure. It costs less. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, as I said originally, was two guys and the piano and a, a couple of doors is all it was. I mean, it was a beautiful set. Sure. But there was, it never changed. There was nothing to it. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So producers see, oh, two guys and a piano or five people and stools and microphones. And, and yet the people who are writing them are constructing them in a way that you still feel like you're getting a full story. You still feel like you're getting big Big numbers, even with five people. So the storytelling isn't sacrificed. No, in terms I of don't side. think so. Well, in some of them it is, but we won't talk about that. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a cer- separate. Certainly not in this one. I sure. mean, that's one of the things that these guys were really uh, committed to in the writing of it was telling a story, and they talk about it in the preface to the script. I mean, this this is really just wacky fun most of the time. But it's all connected to character need, character obstacle, all the things you would talk about if you were doing much ado about nothing uh-huh. are present in this play. And then musically, they're both such devotees of the old classic musical comedy that you feel like you're see- hearing something that's been around for a while. It doesn't feel new because it's so it's got a familiarity to There's it. There's a familiarity to it, and, and yet it's not imitating anything. I mean, it's truly original. And that's one of the great things about working on it. It's like, wow, these guys have really found their own voice. I mean, they didn't write the Andrew Lloyd Webber number and the Sondheim number and the Jerry Herman number. They didn't do a pastiche musically. Like, sure, sure. Um, so it feels new and old at the same time. Which it's, is exciting. It's, oh, it's that's, incredible. That's what, that's what, that's, Not everybody knows how to do no, that. No, that's tough work. Yeah, that's it really work. is. Awesome. Well, uh, I know you're getting into tech and you've got lots going on. What's, uh, after you finish with this here, what's next for you? Uh, do you have anything lined up? Or are you? Oh, I do. I, I, I'm back to work on Tuesday uh, <laughs> at PCPA in, in Santa Maria, California, where I'll be, um, they're getting ready to open In the Heights, which I'll step into sort of helping oversee the tech process of that. Awesome. And then music directing Beauty and the Beast for the holidays. And then I'll be directing Lend Me a Ten of the Musical, Next spring, yeah, yeah. And summer. Now who? Now who wrote? Who wrote that? Lend me a tenor musical, Brad. That would be Peter, the, Peter Sham, and myself. Ah, excellent <laughs> world premiere at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. I'm yes. glad it's, that's exciting. Where's it? Is it at PCPA? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing it well, in the spring, and then we're remounting it in the outdoor theater in the summer. Then I know what I'm doing next spring. Excellent. I'm coming yeah. to San Marie to see yeah. the show. It should be really fun. Cool. Well, thank you for taking time. I know tech's a busy time, and we're just grateful to have you with us talking about Murder for Two in the Eileen and Alan Ains Studio Theater at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season.